Downtown, Peco Park, a new beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby said she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies holler Padre gang. Yeah, that's the Good day, everybody. Welcome to episode 223 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. And uh, it's almost like the Padres didn't win this series against the Royals. That's what it feels like. Checking Twitter, social media, fan reaction after today's Padres loss. It's like they didn't win the series. And it's like this team's like the worst team ever. You know, um, and I know fans are frustrated, uh, but I do want to start off this episode saying the Padres did win this series against the Royals. Um, they did score over 20 runs in this series. Um, yes, we're definitely going to get into in a few minutes. Hater, Manaya, Camposano. Man, that was a big topic of conversation. It still is on Twitter today. Um, but I wanted to start it out positive. Yeah, Padres won the series. They did what they should have done, which is win the series, and that's good. They still have a game-and-a-half lead on the wild card, so that did not move at all. Um, Brewers facing a bad team in the Cubs. Padres were facing a bad team in the Royals. Both teams, I think both teams won their series, uh, and so the Padres still have that game-and-a-half lead. Um, if you want to support this channel... You can use the super chat button if you want to make sure I get to your comment. Uh, I'm sure fans are energetic and pissed off today. Some might be more optimistic than others. Who knows? Uh, you can also use the super thanks button on regular videos. Um, man, there's a lot to get to. Tati Seven is Adidas sponsorship taken away. Uh, you know, Seidler's comments. Those are his comments about uh, Tatis's suspension. And his meeting with Fernando after the suspension, those are out. Uh, Bob Nightingale put those out. He had a conversation with Peter. So there's a lot to get to. We can talk a little bit about the San Francisco series coming up. But, man, today's game, Padres lost 15-7. to We'll talk about today first, and then we'll get to Saturday and Friday's games where the Padres won. Today's game obviously just happened, um, and it's fresh in our minds, so might as well start there. And uh, you start with Shamanaya. That's where it starts with, right? Yeah, the Padres lost by seven runs. Um, it would have been a lot closer if Shamanaya didn't give up six runs, right? Uh, maybe the tone of the game or the Padres would have had more momentum or would have felt better about themselves or, I don't know, the, the situations would have been different if Manaya didn't give up, you know, six runs, right? Who, who knows? Uh, the bottom line is, Manaya, you, you're not going to be able to trust him in the postseason. Um, he's not a high-velocity guy, right? And so when you don't have high velocity, you got to hit your spots. When you don't hit your spots, that's not a good recipe for success. You're not going to have success in the big leagues, and that's exactly what happened with Shaw Manaya today. Um, you know, as you go through his line here, some fans were surprised that Manaya stayed through the entire first inning. I think that that was fine. What, you're going to throw your bullpen the entire game when you have three more games in a row against San Francisco? I don't think so. Um, so I was fine with that, but it was just Manaya needing to pitch better. He ends up going four innings, but that first inning, whoa, that was tough to watch. I mean, 10 hits. He gave up seven, I believe, in that first inning. Six earned runs. He didn't walk anyone, but see, that's the bad thing. I'm not saying walking people is good, but didn't walk anyone means he was inside the strike zone, but he was t literally inside the strike zone by like right down the middle. That's what I mean by that, inside the strike zone. Like too much, if that makes sense. Um, I'm surprised he struck out four guys, to be honest. And if I go, if I go back, because uh, there was a lot of conversation about Oh, was, this, was that on Camposano because he just got called up? This was Camposano's first game, uh, you know, catching, and maybe that's a reason why. Uh, there was also 
some people that said, no, Manaya is just, he was crap today and he just needs to pitch better, right? I fall in the middle of that. More on the Manaya side, like, yeah, Manaya needs to pitch better. But Camposano, I do realize that he wasn't great today. He's definitely not the starting catcher. Um, and he should not be up here, especially if Alfaro was healthy. Um, he's not ready defensively. Uh, his IQ isn't there, I, I don't think, getting picked off today. Um, but when you go back to that Manaya first inning, and I posted this on Twitter, you'll have to scroll down a little bit because there's a lot of videos that I put out today. But Manaya in that first inning goes 39 pitches, seven hits, gave up a home run to Michael Taylor, five earned runs allowed. And if you look at the video that I posted here, so Michael Taylor, there was the conversation. Let me set this up. There was a conversation on Twitter about Manaya's first inning and Camposano was setting up down the middle and Manaya's just throwing to the glove. Some people were saying that. I agree with that. Not the first inning. I agree with that more after the first inning. The first inning, Camposano was not setting up down the middle every time. I put on Twitter all of the swings, all of the pitch locations uh, in that first inning that resulted in a Royals run. And only one of those was on Camposano, meaning Camposano set up down the middle, essentially, and that's where Manaya threw the pitch. He hit a spot. You know, Camposano just, why is he setting up there? The other ones, though, all of the other ones, Manaya missed a spot. Camposano setting up up and in, or he's setting up, I think, uh, was it down and away one time, or down and in one time, and Manaya just missed a spot. Uh, to Michael Taylor, sp pitch supposed to be down. And in, that's where Camposano set up. Manaya leaves it over the plate, not down the middle, but over the plate. Uh, it wasn't really, he didn't really hit a spot there. Next one, uh, Brent Rooker at the plate. Camposano sets up high and in, up and in. And Manaya leaves it right down the middle. Rooker, RBI single, up the middle. Uh, the next one, Prado, the first baseman. Camposano sets up. Kinda up, but away. Manaya leaves it right down the middle. Prado single up the or I think it might have been a sack fly. I forget what it was, but hits it up the middle. Like it's just missing his spots. The one to Drew Waters, Camposano set up down the middle. It ends up down the middle. The net, the one to Nicky Lopez though, where it was four one Royals. Camposano wants it up. Manaya leaves it hanging down the middle. And that scores, I think, well, that scored one run there. I think Manaya gave it one more run after that first inning. So a lot of those pitch locations, it wasn't just Camposano setting up down the middle and, hey, Manaya hit his spot. Manaya's just got a pitch better there, you know? To start against the Nationals, I was sitting at the game, like 12 rows behind where Manaya was pitching. So I, I don't remember like if Alfaro was setting up down the middle every time that's not really the point here like the point is the national start Manaya was consistently inside the strike zone he wasn't leaving pitches over the middle like down the middle a lot of the time and that's what was happening I saw with Manaya's start here um and yeah he didn't walk anyone right but he left pitches down the middle like Sometimes, you know, I've said sometimes I want Manaya to, or not Manaya, just pitchers in general, right? Don't nibble. I've said that, right? But I don't want him also leaving pitches over the middle of the plate all the time either, you know? Like, you got to have a little bit of a balance, right? That's not what I saw from Manaya today. I, I saw a lot of meatballs from Manaya today. Um, after the first inning, he looked better. But after the first inning, I can't put. You know, it all on Manaya. Any str any struggles that he did have after the first inning, which wasn't a ton, because um, the first inning was the the crap show, right? But uh, after the first inning, I did notice Camposano 
yeah, he was setting up down the middle a lot. Um, when Chris Matt was in, he was setting up down the middle. And with Cambasano, yeah, he got picked. We'll talk about him getting picked off and all that. But he's setting up down the middle most times. And then, and you know, here, let me use my left hand. So he's setting up down the middle. And if I was a pitcher, I would want my hand, the catcher to keep the target as I'm in my windup and throwing. That's not what was happening with Camposano. And I know um, it, that's what's being taught right now is ca- uh, catcher's set. And then when the pitcher sees it, drop the glove, relax, and then come up, you know, to, I don't know, framing or just be more relaxed receiving the ball. But if I was a pitcher, I wouldn't want Camposano here showing the target. And as I'm about to throw the pitch, my glo- his glove is down at the dirt. If you go look back, go look back at the pitches. If you freeze it where Manaya's throwing the pitch, Camposano's glove is pretty much at the dirt. It's hitting the dirt. His glove, he has the target, then hits the dirt, comes back up. That's a lot of glove movement. And then if a pitch isn't down the middle, he has to go get it and then try to frame it. Like, And some of his frame attempts were terrible today too. So, yeah, definitely Nola's the starting catcher uh, if we found out anything today. wasn't. I know it's one game, but it's not a good look. That was not a good look from Camposano today. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it's laziness. I know some people in the chat here are saying it's laziness. I don't want to say that. But it's just I would not catch that way. I'm not a major league catcher. I'm not a minor league catcher. But... Um, I, I just would not catch that way if I were catching. Um, yeah, and then Manaya obviously, it, it was the first inning. We've already talked about the first inning. But the question is, right, what do you do with Shamanaya moving forward, right? What do you do with him moving forward? Are you confident in him starting against the Dodgers next weekend at Dodger Stadium? I don't know if I'm confident in him starting. But what are the other options? You know, are you good? you want Reese Kinnear starting against the Dodgers? Maybe. But then if you have Shamanaya not start against the Dodgers, you're going to be confident in him in the bullpen? Like, to me, I feel like he's better more as time goes on, kind of like you Darvish in his starts. So if you're going to use Shamanaya out of the bullpen, first inning... That's what he gets when he comes out of the bullpen is that one inning most of the time. You're probably not going to get the best results, right? Has this guy pitched out of the bullpen in his career? You know, so I don't know. Like, So are we going to fake put him on the IL like Hater? I know there's some conversation. Uh, some fans think we should put Hater on the IL and kind of fake it, you know, until he finds it. Okay, well... Do you want Jay Groom, the guy we just acquired? Do you want him to come up and start against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium? Do you want Reese Kinnear doing that? Like, who do you want starting? Some people say Nick Martinez. Well, he's not built up to start. You know, he's been pitching in the bullpen for months now. He's not built up to go six, seven innings. He's been pitching in the bullpen. He just closed, pitching one inning, pitching two innings. Most of the time, it's been one inning. He's not built. To, I don't think he's an option to pitch next weekend. The bottom line is Manaya just has to hit his spots. He can't be leaving pitches over the middle of the plate. That's what it comes down to, I think. And maybe it's mechanical. Or maybe something's in his head. But literally, it's just don't throw pitches down the middle. I know he's not trying to do that, obviously. But... It, it was just painful to watch because it's like, you know that he's not going to strike out guys. It's not like he's Robert Suarez and he can throw 101 down the middle and strike out guys because of velocity, right? He's throwing 92. He's throwing 93, 94, something like that, right? Um, so you just you have to throw strikes not down the middle. You know, you got to hit your spots. And 
you got to pitch to contact. He pitched to plenty of contact today, right? But um, I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. You got to pitch to weaker contact, and how? What's weaker contact? You get weaker contact by better pitches, up and in, not down the middle. Down and in, not down the middle. Down and away, not down the middle. You know, stuff like that. Um, so that's what I would say with Manaya. Um, let me hear your guys' thoughts here on Manaya. Let me see. Answer the question for me. Are you confident in having Shaw Manaya pitch next weekend against the Dodgers? We know he's not going to be in the postseason rotation or anything like that, at least as of now. But are you confident in him going against the Dodgers? Like, I can't say I'm confident, but I almost feel like the Padres like have to have him go out there against the Dodgers. Because I don't know their confidence level in Jay Groom going out there, who they acquired in the Hosmer trade. I don't know their confidence level in him against the Dodgers. I don't know if they want to throw Reese Kinnear out there for four innings, three innings against the Dodgers, and then have a bullpen day. Because then, okay, so what if you have a couple relievers not on their day uh, against the Dodgers, and then you know you give up eight runs? I don't know. This situation, uh, it's one starter, right? I'm confident in Musgrove. I'm confident in Darvish. Still confident in Snell. Um, still confident in Clev. I mean, I'm obviously more confident in all of them than I am in um, Manaya. But when you're facing, or you're not facing the Brewers, you're going, fa- uh, you know, you're facing off against the Brewers in the standing, in the, in the standings, you know? And so when you're doing that and you see the Brewers have an easier schedule, Pirates, teams like that, Diamondbacks, they just played the Cubs, probably play them. They play Cincinnati, I think, a couple more times this year. Meanwhile, we have to go play the Dodgers nine more times. It's like you can't afford to have that one starter, have that be a loss every time he comes out. And I know they didn't lose against Washington, but that's Washington. They don't play Washington again this season. They don't play those easy opponents very many times the rest of the season. So can you, I don't know if you can afford to have uh, Manaya go out there against the Dodgers and the Cardinals and teams like that if he's not going to throw, you know, better strikes, if he's not going to hit his spots. I don't know if you can afford to do that. But it's not the trade deadline. You can't go out and get Jacob deGrom or any great starter like that. It's internal options. Yeah, and a four-man rotation here, Rams fan, that's not even an option. Yeah. And also, that's a here's a good point. Uh, Sky talks about Nick Martinez and his ERA out of the bullpen. Some people are talking about Nick Martinez. Maybe you have him start in place of Mania. I already talked about how he's not built up, right? But, you know, having that great ERA out of, out of the bullpen, you also have Hater right now who you can't rely on him. And right now, Nick Martinez is the closer of this team, I think. And so if you take Nick Martinez out, one, he's not built up. You take him and put him as a starter. Okay, so who's closing games now? Is it Robert Suarez? Okay, I guess I'd be fine with that. But Nick Martinez, again, he's not built up. So Nick Martinez doesn't fit that, at least to start next weekend against the Dodgers, I don't think. If you want him to go five, six innings, he's not built up for that. Just going through the comments here. Manaya's batting practice. Oh, Dong Kim says microphone echo. Yeah, my echo's all the way down, so hopefully it's fine. And getting to Josh Hader, let's get to Josh Hader. So, obviously, today he sucked. Uh, I was optimistic coming into today because I thought he found himself a little bit last time out when he pitched. 
Um, the fastball was there. The breaking ball, he was hitting his spots pretty well. But, I mean, today, it was a tough watch. I mean, this was like Major League. You talk about wild thing. This is Josh Hader right here. Wild thing. I mean, go look up the clip at Talking Fires on Twitter. Pitches down in the dirt. Pitches up and away. I mean, just couldn't find it. And then when he does throw it inside the strike zone, he leaves it knee high or a little above the knees, and it's a single in the center field. Today, he gets one out, goes a third of an inning, five hits, walked two guys, gave up six runs. One out, six runs today. And then you add that to choking the save against the Giants where, uh, before Manny had that walk-off. And then you add those, these two right there, to the two games against Washington last weekend. On Thursday, bases loaded, walks Nelson Cruz. Before that, hits Voight. Night after that on Friday. Throws the ball away on that swinging bunt. Gives up a home run to Joey Manessis, a guy that's never hit a home run before in the big leagues. It's either nowhere near the strike zone or it's like 99 at the knees or down the middle. That doesn't scare major league hitters anymore. You know, it doesn't. So, uh, yeah, you, you can't trust Hader right now. That's the situation with Josh Hader. You cannot trust Josh Hader. He's definitely not the closer. Nick Martinez, I think, is the closer right now. I don't know when you can pitch Josh Hader again. Unless you're down five runs and you're just trying to literally have Josh Hader, a three-time reliever of the year, come in as in you know mop-up duty, mop-up duty, low leverage situation, just because you don't want to use Will Myers on the mound again. Like, think about that. That's where we're at right now with Josh Hader. We're at the spot where we're having Josh Hader, the guy who was supposed to be our closer, one of the best relievers in baseball. He's not the ninth inning guy. He's not the eighth inning guy. Can't trust him to be the seventh inning guy. No, right now, the Padres don't even want to pitch him, probably. Do they want to pitch him in a three-run game? Whether they're winning or they're losing? If they're winning, you can't trust him, right? You don't want to choke that. If you're losing, well, you want to keep your offense in the game. If he blows it, gives up a couple more runs, well, then the game's over. Five-run game, six-run game. You know, like, what situation do you put him in? It's almost like you tell Josh, okay, we're not using you. You have to almost have simulated games before the game, before, you know, during batting practice, before batting practice against hitters to show us maybe we'll put you in in a four-run, five-run game. Because, again, the Brewers are playing an easier schedule than we are. The Padres can't afford to have any more games slip away that they should win. I'm not saying they should have won today uh, because Manaya pitched really bad in that first inning. They were down six, what, six nothing at one point, uh, or six one, whatever it was. And haters suck today, right? I'm not saying they should have won today, but there obviously have been games where Josh has come in where you could make the argument, hey, they should have won this game, or they should have at least had a chance to go win this game, right? Those Washington games. I know they won that Giants game because Manny walked it off. But there was a 4-1 lead there, choked it. Washington, Thursday, Friday. What was it, a tie game at, the po at that point? Darvish was in there, uh, took him out, and then Hayter gives up the lead. Right? Gives up, uh, Potters, I think, are down two runs, three runs, or whatever, when they have to go hit in the bottom of the night. Comes in in a tie game that Friday night, the very next night. Gives up the lead. Right? Like, those situations... Padres should have been able to have the chance to walk it off in that ninth inning. Instead, they're down like two or three, and you have no faith that the offense is going to go score four runs in that ninth inning. You know, um, when are they going to pitch him again? That's my question. When, when are the Padres going to be confident 
in a situation to pitch him. Again, unless it's, when did he come in the game here today? What was the score? It was... What was it? 11-6? No. It was 9-6. to So he came in when the Padres were down three runs. And when he exited the game, the Padres were down eight runs? Like, that's unacceptable. You know? That, that's, that's unacceptable. That right there, that's the prime example of we're literally losing by three here. If we want to stay in the game, now after this experience, we thought he took a step forward, now he takes a million steps back. Now it's like, okay, if we want to stay in any game, we're losing by three runs. Okay, well, we can't pitch Josh Hader. Can't. Can't do it. Because we can't rely on this guy to keep it at a three-run game. You know? It's just... It is maddening how guys that come to the Padres, it's like they forget how to pitch. And we've seen a couple good outings, I guess, from Hader. But they I'll just go back to the point of they cannot afford to continue losing games. They cannot afford to continue having Hader come in and lose games that they have a chance to win. Because the Brewers, they're probably going to go win games that they have a chance to win because they're facing worse teams than the Padres are going to face in September here. You know? Just absolute maddening. Just going through the comments here. I'll get to Camposano here after I get through the comments. If anyone had any thoughts on Hater. Yeah, Eddie says the Brewers fleeced us. I mean, did they? They DFA'd Lamette. Estier Ruiz might turn into something. Um, Robert Gasser probably will turn into something. But, like, I can still defend the trade from the Padres' point of view, from the Padre fan point of view. When we got Josh Hader, yeah, we realized that he had been struggling coming into San Diego, like, the last like month or something with Milwaukee, but you're still getting him for the rest of this year and next year. You still go by the track record. It's not like this guy's outside of his prime or anything like that. Like this guy, he didn't give up a run the first like two months of the season or something like that. Like he was still here this season. You want a lockdown closer at the time. Who would you rather have Josh Hader or Taylor Rogers? Padres fans at that time, they would have said Josh Hader easily. And the Padres, they're trying to go all in at the trade deadline. Go all in. You don't just have them for this year. Have them for next year, too. Lines up with Soto. And it's like, that's the perfect move. Go do it. And so I applauded the Padres for doing it. It's not. This isn't on the Brewers fleecing us or anything. It's on just Josh Hader not pitching good. It's him being literally the wild thing. It's him, when he does go inside the strike zone most of the time, it's 99 at the knees, which doesn't do anything anymore, or 99 down the middle, which doesn't do anything. That's a home run now, or singles up the middle, right? He just has to pitch better. It's like Shamanaya. He just has to pitch better. He has to locate. So, yeah, you could say the Brewers fleece the Padres and all that. Like, I still think it's too early to say that, by the way. Like, hopefully Hater can find it. I know you can't trust him right now, uh, but hopefully he can find it. Still have him under contract for next year. Hopefully he can find it. So it's too early to say, to make any, you know, firm judgment on the trade. For me, what I'm focused on is just Josh Hader needs to pitch better. I'm just frustrated with, it seems like, Padres that come here. Uh, they're good when they're on their other team. When they come here, they forget how to play baseball. 
I know Josh Bell, he's doing better recently, but he started, you know, what, one for 30 or something? Um, this with Hater, right? I mean, there's countless examples. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just really, really frustrating. Someone who you thought you could rely on as your closer, now you don't. It's kind of like the Tatsi situation, right? You expected to bring in an MVP candidate for the last month and a half of the season or whatever, you know? And you don't bring him back. You don't get him back, excuse me. That's a letdown. You bring in who you think is supposed to be your closer, right? This multiple-time all-star, multiple-time reliever of the year, one of the best relievers in baseball. And it's like, no, you didn't bring him in. It's like they didn't make an acquisition at all. Because, like I said earlier, when are the Padres going to be confident in using this guy in any situation that isn't a blowout now? You know? So that's two letdowns. Star shortstop, star closer, and right now you don't get any of them. You know, you got to have Nick Martinez, who was, what, your five starter entering the season because of Club's knee injury in spring training. Now he's your closer. And Drew Pomerantz, didn't he have to walk off the mound in his last rehab appearance? So you can't count on him. And so now your bullpen that you're trusting is Martinez as your closer, Garcia, Suarez, and who else? Chris Matt. Uh, I'm probably forgetting some people. But I'm just talking about like the top of the bullpen, right? I know Chris Matt struggled really today too. Um, but it's like, okay, who are you trusting now? Morahone, right? Yeah, forgot about him. So Morahone, Garcia, Suarez, Martinez, like those four, right? Having Josh Hader there, uh, that makes your bullpen a whole lot better. Like the actual Josh Hader, the real Josh Hader. Um, you know, the Josh Hader Padres fans we thought we were getting, that the Padres probably thought they were getting. Now they don't have him. And so if Hader can't find it, it's like Tatis. It makes their chances of winning a World Series go down significantly. Having that lockdown reliever uh, in the postseason, that really, really helps. As we've seen multiple times in postseason history. I mean, Andrew Miller in, what was that, 2016 or whatever, fit, pitching in whatever high-leverage situation Terry Francona needed him in, like that could have been Josh Hader. Or it could have been Hader closing, and you could have Nick Martinez fill that role. But now Nick Martinez probably has to close because Hader is struggling so much. It's, it's a trickle-down effect. Yeah, and JD's third says here, Ben, you said Hader would be fine and that he's the best closer in baseball just earlier this week. What gives? Well, he's not that right now. I was saying that because I was looking at the track record. I was saying that because I was encouraged by his last appearance. But the majority of his appearances in San Diego have been poop. They've been absolute crap. So no, I can't say that anymore right now. I can't say he's going to be fine. He has to prove that. And I don't know when he can prove that. Like I've said, I feel like a hundred times already in this episode. Because when are the Padres going to put him back out there in any situation that we should like actually care about what Hater does? Yeah, I literally can't stand Manaya and Hater. I hope we offload them both in the offseason. Well, you could do that for Hater, I guess. I, I don't want to give up on the guy, though. Again, based on the track record, I still do believe he's in his prime. The velocity's there. It's just he's the wild thing. Um, and then with Manaya, he's a free agent, so they wouldn't offload him. They just wouldn't bring him back. Well, wow, some people in the chat are even saying Rogers over Hater. I guess I don't blame you because of how bad Hater has been. Uh, but the last time I checked, Rogers hasn't been too great with Milwaukee either. All right. Uh, hang on. Yeah, Tim Hill's another one. Sorry about that. Yeah, talking about relievers that the Padres have to trust now. 
All right, so let's get to Camposano. Um, yeah, we already got – we'll still have to go cover Friday, Saturday's games, Tatis, uh, Seidler's comments. Still got a lot to cover here. I appreciate everyone for being here. If you want to support the channel, Daily Padres content, you can hit that subscribe button, turn on the notifications so you don't miss when I am going live or don't miss when a video comes out. Uh, you can also use the Super Chat button. You can uh, use the Super Thanks button on regular videos. Uh, getting to Camposano today, I already talked about the framing and the where he's setting up pitchers and how he puts his glove down as pitchers are throwing the ball to the plate. I'm not a big a fan. Of, I'm not a big fan of that. I know that that's being taught, I guess, nowadays. And Francisco Cervelli knows more about catching than I do, obviously, more than any of us do. But I'm not a big fan of that. I did want to hit on Camposano getting picked off at second today. He got two hits today. Like, he looks fine at the plate. Okay, fine. Then DH him. You know, don't – he can't be behind the plate right now. Um, getting picked off at second before Manny hits that second home run of the day. I mean, Manny, talk about carrying the team today. Soto homered today, too. Third home run as a Padre. But Manny, four RBIs, went four for five at the plate, scored three times, hitting 304 this year. Hit two home runs. The second one should have been, what, a three-run home run? Uh, but Camposano, as George Brett is in the booth, by the way, uh, gets picked off at second, and it was the old glove drop where the catcher set up, drops his glove. That's when the pitcher spins, throws him out, at, or tries to pick him off at second, and that's exactly what happened. That can't happen. Um, Manny's up at the plate. You can't get picked off there. You know he has the home run potential. You know he has the potential to drive you in from second. You don't need to have that huge lead. Um, and I don't know if he was not focused at second. I have no idea what was going on there. It's inexcusable. You can't get picked off there. And it's stuff like that. It builds up, right? Getting picked off there. The throwing ear. Throwing the ball to third base when you didn't need to. He was going to be safe. Throw the ball to third, spiking in the dirt, and that scores another run. How many runs did he cost the Padres today? One from uh, being picked off at second. That would have been a run. Cost the Padres a run defensively, trying to throw to third, trying to uh, get that Royals runner from stealing. Trying to catch him stealing. That's two, right? And the Padres would have had, uh, what? Well, Crony had that error that took that was two runs there. So you take away those mistakes. Padres could have had like a seven-six lead, even with Manaya pitching that bad. They could have had, you know, a seven-six lead at that point. Now, Hater, if he came in anyway, would have lost. But it's still it's those mistakes, like those mistakes against good teams. I mean, they made those mistakes against the Royals today. Imagine making those mistakes against the Dodgers, right? Yeah, like Groovy T here in the comments says, those are fixable mistakes. Campy will learn. Okay, he can learn, sure. But you can't have him be kept. You can have him learn, sure. Have Francisco Severely work with him every day. But you can't have him out there behind the plate like that. I know you have to give Nola days off, so they don't have a choice right now because Alfaro is hurt. But maybe bring up Cam Gallagher. Are you going to have Camposano a DH? I'm not confident having Camposano behind the plate right now. That's just me. Uh, I'm sure that's other fans too, not just me. All right, maybe bring up Cam Gallagher and have him be the backup catcher. If you want Camposano to DH, okay, I guess. I know you'd have to send someone else down then. Um, they want Azokar to be in there as a backup center fielder, maybe even start. He, he caught, or excuse me, he started two of the three games against the Royals this weekend. Um, so I don't know who they would send down. Probably Camposano there. Can't you have Camposano be on the taxi squad? Like, what does him hitting in El Paso do right now? Maybe him being on the taxi squad and working with Francisco Cervelli and Austin Nola every day would help and having Cam Gallagher up here uh, and actual being, you know, be that, the actual backup catcher on the active roster. That's just a thought, I guess. Um, you know, Kevin Acey on Extra last week, he was talking about how 
If Alfaro went on the IL, it's probably Gallagher. You know, they acquired him for a reason. Well, it was Camposano. I would think, I don't know, I'm not going to pretend to say I know everything about Cam Gallagher, but I think he's a better defensive catcher than Camposano is. And I, I don't want to focus too much on Camposano because I know that it's a team and there's bigger, I guess, fish to fry, right? But having a guy behind the plate who isn't great behind the plate right now, that's just the facts, that might cost the Padres. What if they lose out on the wild card by a couple games and part of it's because Camposano, I know there's plenty of games you can go back this year uh, before Camposano even got up where the Padres lost those games that they should have won. But what if, you know, here in September, Camposano's catching some games because Nola's catching three days in a row, four days in a row, or th yeah, three days in a row, or day game after a night game, and you have to have Camposano catch, and he costs you those games. And the Brewers make the postseason by a couple games, a few games. And you look back at those games. You're probably going to be biting yourself there, you know, like, man, maybe we should have Cam Gallagher up here. I don't know. That's just, I'm trying to find solutions here. That's all. Uh, but yeah, terrible game today. Um, flush it down the toilet, I guess. I mean, remember the Padres did win this series. They did take two out of three, so that's a positive. Um, but it's, all, it's, it's, like, it's like we forgot the Padres, or at least a lot of fans. It's like we forgot... The Padres did win this series, and they did score a lot of runs, and the offense did come alive uh, in the series because of how bad Manaya was today, how bad Hader was today, uh, Camposano being iffy behind the plate. You know, like we're all about recency bias, right? I guess you know we're all t every we remember stuff that happened right now, stuff that just happened, and so it's understandable. But I do want to shift now to more of the positive. The Padres taking the first two uh, of this series in Kansas City, winning on Saturday 4-3. to three. I'm probably not going to spend as much time on these because it, it's much easier to talk about bad stuff that happened because you can try to find solutions. Um, and when things go well, it's like, cool, they went well. Can't complain about it. Went well. Move on to the next thing, you know. But for, uh, Saturday's game... I thought Darvish, man, he grinded. Uh, you know, the first inning didn't go so great. Gave up three runs. But after that, really settled in seven innings, struck out six, didn't give up any home runs. And then obviously the bullpen after that, two of the guys the Padres are going to have to really lean on now, uh, Robert Suarez and Nick Martinez. They both didn't give up any runs. Martinez got the save. And like I said earlier, Martinez is the closer now, I think. And I don't think he's built up to be that five starter and replace Manaya if the Padres don't want to have Manaya pitch uh, next weekend against the Dodgers, when I believe is his next scheduled start. So they got to find some solution if they don't want to have Manaya start next weekend. But uh, I like having Martinez be the closer. And then Will, Friday, Saturday, homers both games. Um, you know, he's going opposite field. It feels like he's back, feels like he's feeling himself at the plate. And that's really good news. That's a positive from this series. Uh, Manny had a tremendous series, I thought. He had an RBI single uh, in the third last night. That tied it at three. Brandon Drury coming through in that third inning. No runs were scored after the third inning, which I thought was a little weird considering Padres' offense. Royals' pitching isn't that great. Uh, but the Padres got the job done, right? We would have loved to have four runs against the Nationals some of those games, right? We would have loved to have four runs against uh, the Guardians, you know, when they got swept in those two games, right? Getting shut out against the Guardians that Wednesday game. We would have loved to have four runs there. So the offense did their job, and that was good enough uh, because the bullpen pitching well, Darvish settling down. Again, so not really anything to expand a whole lot on on Saturday's game. I thought it was a good win. And I thought Friday was a very, very good win. Padres dropping 13 runs on the Royals. They needed one of these games where they uh, exploded on offense, right? Will homering, 
Crony homering, Kim homering, I know is off Hunter Dozier, but those home runs, uh, you had Profar come through, Josh Bell single up the middle, Myers doubled uh, before he homered. Already talked about the Profar double. Cronoworth homering, love to see that. And there was a lot, There's. it seems like there's a lot of Cronoworth haters out there right now. Like, I know that it's he's striking out more than he has. Uh, it seems like he's popping up more than he has. I'd like him to have more of a level swing. But I did have that stat out the other day. Was it yesterday? Might have been yesterday. Where he's hitting over 300, I think, in his last, like, eight games. He's got it on base in his last, I think, 12 of his last 13 or something. Uh, he's still impacting the team. And I know he made an error today on defense. But he's still very valuable to this team. And call me biased or whatever. I know he's my favorite player. You know, you can say, oh, I'm not going to take into account anything you say because Cronenworth's your favorite player. So you're just saying this because he's your favorite player. But he's valuable more than just on offense. Like, he shows up every day. He's in the lineup pretty much every day. Um, he's very good defensively at first and at second. Most of the time at shortstop. Yeah, it was inexcusable, the error he made today. And it, and then Salvi home run, hit the home run, um, so that made it look even worse. And he'll own up to that, too. But this guy, he's going to be like a four-win player already this year. Um, almost. He's almost at four wins, I think. I know he was an all-star this year. He was an all-star last year. Played well in 2020. Like, this guy's a very impactful player. And if you're going to get mad at a guy that's, getting on base like he's not a power guy we know that um you're getting mad at a guy who's hitting sixth or seventh in the lineup who's getting on base most games like i don't think that's really the guy to air out all your frustration on that's just me though um hassan kim i mean he's looked incredible obviously having that home run late having the single in the sixth made it seven five Cronenworth uh, had the RBI single. He didn't just have the home run on Friday. Had the RBI single. Uh, made it 8-5 in the seventh. Nola sack fly. Kim had that double. Made it 11-5. And then he homered. Like I just talked about off Hunter Dozier. Sure, it's a cheap home run. Whatever. But um, home run is a home run. Um, I think Kim should probably be leading off. Profar, man. I think... I'd probably have Profar hit after Cronoworth in the lineup right now. So what would that be, like seventh? I'd have Kim lead off, Soto, Manny, Drury, Bell, Myers. Well, Myers isn't going to play every day, but it probably would be Myers, right? Probably forgetting someone. Um, Myers, Cronenworth, Profar, Nola, Grisham. Or Azokar. Like, that's probably how I would do it right now. Uh, I forgive me if I forgot someone. I, I I really like what I've seen out of Hassan Kim. I'd put him leadoff. Um, I think he's he'd be a better leadoff hitter right now than Profar is right now. Maybe that's just the eye test. I don't have the numbers right, right in front of me. But Kim on Friday, or I'll, I'll just pull up game log or splits or whatever. Because that's easier. If my Apple load here. So, in August, in August, Kim's hitting 303. He has a 347 on base percentage. So, let's, let's focus on the on base percentage 347. And then, if we go to Profar in August, I believe these are updated. August, his on-base percentage is 310. So it's not that big of a gap with Kim. But I, I, if I went and looked back at like the last seven days or something like that, I, I think Kim's numbers would be better than Profar. Uh, Kim bad leadoff on Saturday, went one for four. Profar was batting, I think, seventh. 
He went 0 for 4. Went 0 for 4 Saturday. Went 0 for 4 today out of the leadoff spot. Kim pinch hit. Only got one at bat. And Friday, Kim went 3 for 6 out of the leadoff spot. Profar went 2 for 5. Not, not trying to bash him. I just think Kim would be better than Profar in the leadoff spot right now. And hats off to the bullpen, you know. Hats off to the bullpen. Morahone. Uh, I don't think he's given up a run in his last... I don't want to guess. Let me look that up real quick. It might be his last, like, 11 appearances, so I, I guess I just guessed. I put it out on Twitter, so let me go check again. Nick Martinez, by the way, 1-4 ERA as a reliever this season. Opponents 549 OPS against him. When he comes out of the bullpen, he's the closer right now. Props to him. Robert Suarez hasn't allowed a run in a while, I don't think. Throwing absolute gas last night. I'm still scrolling down. Okay, Morhone. He hasn't allowed a run in his last nine appearances. Over those nine appearances, two walks, ten strikeouts. He's been really good. So it's Suarez, Martinez. Morahone, uh, I guess Tim Hill, right, and uh, Garcia. Like, those are the guys that should be pitching in these closer games. Uh, but the bullpen, it's been much better as of late. Uh, it, it's been really good as of late, actually. If you're taking out Hayter, who I don't think should be pitching right now in any situation of note, any situation that matters, you take him out, the bullpen's been pitching much better. Okay, let me go through the comments here. I know people are... I'm sorry, I'm not doing great with the comments today. I've been going off on a bunch of different tangents. Brando72, what the hell happened to Hater? And when is Pomerantz going to be back? Manaya's crap. <laughs> that sums up today, I guess, pretty well, right? Yeah, Hater, what's happening? He's not hitting his spots. He's Mr. Wild Thing. He's, he's, he's lost right now. When is Pomerantz going to be back? Uh, I wouldn't expect him to be back this season. Maybe at the end, but even if he does come back, I'm not going to rely on him for anything. And Manaya, as for Manaya's crap, I mean, he's not crap when he hits his spots. When he doesn't hit his spots and he leaves pitches over the middle of the plate when Camposano wants it up and in, well, yeah, then he's kind of crap, yeah. And Greg, yeah, people, I've seen in the chat here, people want haters got options, send him to AAA to, to blow up. I mean... The Padres want Hayter working with, or I assume they do. They want him working with Ruben Niebla. They want him working with Ben Fritz, the bullpen coach, the Major League staff to find it. You're not sending a three-time All-Star down to AAA, I don't think. If anything, you'll fake an IL thing so that you can bring up someone, Jose Castillo, someone, to replace him and be an arm that you're at least kind of comfortable in having them pitch in big league games. You know, but sending him to AAA, I don't think that helps him, to be honest. Working with the major league pitching staff, I think, would help him. JD's third says he's tired of Jake. I think JD's third here in the chat. I just don't think you like anything that I say, to be honest. Maybe you're a Dodger fan. I don't know. You're tired of Jake. What else have you said? You're always you're always like talking about how oh, oh I was confident in Josh Hader. Now what? Like you said something about that earlier in the comments. Like, sorry, I was confident in a guy that has a track record of being the best reliever in baseball and a guy that looked good in his last appearance. And I was trying to be optimistic about him. Yeah, I switched my viewpoint today because obviously today was absolute garbage. 
I, I'm allowed to change my opinion. The Padres, by the way, I believe are a game and a half up on Milwaukee right now for the final wild card. JD's third says Jake is paid too much. What? Dude, this guy's getting paid like nothing to be an all-star. Let me look up. Is it like 700000 that he's getting paid? He's getting paid $757,200 this year, according to SpotTrack. That's his like base salary. He's getting paid nothing compared to Hater, compared to what Manaya. Manaya is probably making like five million or something. Stop. This guy's, this guy's, they have this guy at a bargain. What is Manaya making? Shamanaya this year, Shamanaya is almost making $10 million this year. Cronenworth's making less than a million. Relax. He's not getting paid too much. If Jake's getting paid too much, everyone is getting paid too much, okay? Charmaine asks, how's Ryan Weathers looking lately? I have no idea. I'm surprised we've even remembered that he's in this organization. Oh, he's got a 6 CRA in El Paso, according to Sky. All right. Well, there you go. All right, what else should we get to? I mean, we talked about Friday, Saturday. Again, there's not a whole lot to talk about with Friday and Saturday because it was positive. The offense showed up. It was good that the offense showed up. They showed up in this series. I mean, 13 runs Friday, four runs Saturday, and then seven today. They scored, what, 23 runs in this series? Is that, I'm not a math major, is that right? 13 plus 4, 17, 17 plus 7, 24 runs? I'll take that. I know it's against the Royals, but I'll take that. Like, that's a positive. Will Myers having two home runs, going to the opposite field, Hassan Kim continuing to hit well, Manny on fire. I mean, Soto homering today. Like, there's, there's bright spots to take out of the offense. It was obviously the pitching that sucked. Uh, no, no, not as, a, not as a whole, but today, obviously, Manaya Hater, And obviously, it's a big question with the closer situation and the bullpen as a whole because when you're expecting Josh Hader to be your closer, that allows other people to fall into lower roles, and now those guys have to be in bigger roles now because you can't trust Josh Hader. You can't pitch him right now in any situation that matters, you know? Coming up, the Padres, they've got the Giants for three tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday, 6.45 tomorrow, Clevenger against Rodon, Tuesday, Snell against Logan Webb, Wednesday, Musgrove against Alex Wood. Um, the Giants are four games under 500, but they're always tough, you know? Like, yeah, they have to win the series, but by no means am I expecting a sweep. Definitely not expecting a sweep. And then they got the off day Thursday, and then they got the Dodgers series Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Don't know who's starting those games. Um, would it be Darvish Friday, Manaya Saturday, if that's who they continue to throw out there? And as of now with the wild card, Padres game and a half up on Milwaukee, two and a half back of Philadelphia for that second wild card. Right now, their focus is just getting into the postseason. Just getting that final wild card spot. That's literally what it is. Um, I did want to get to Tatis here before we get out of here. So I thought this was interesting. Um, by the way, Tatis is going to have shoulder surgery on Tuesday. That was an update over the weekend. Uh, and he lost his Adidas sponsorship. Adidas said like they don't have a policy for doping and all that, and so they're ending their partnership with Fernando. Man, um, you would think that, I know 
some are going to make the argument, yeah, Fernando can't even help his brand right now, so how is he going to help Adidas's brand? Uh, but in terms of, like, baseball talent, who's the face of Adidas baseball? <laughs> like, I can't even think of who that is. You know, who's, who's an Adidas guy in baseball? You think of Adidas, it's what, like, Mahomes in football, it's James Harden, right, in basketball. Who's the Adidas guy? Does Aaron Judge wear Adidas? He's not in commercials, I don't think. You know? And uh, it might have been a skin infection, like, with Tatis. So, yeah, I guess you could say it was doping. Um, and so, I'm not going to bash Adidas for getting rid of the sponsorship, but you don't think that they, I don't know the contract or how many years he's under the Adidas, or how many years he was under the Adidas sponsorship, the, that contract. But you would think that he he's going to repair his image. Uh, you know, five years down the line, people are going to love him. And he'd be the face of your baseball, Adidas baseball. He'd be the face of that. So, I don't know. I was, I guess my thoughts on that is I was surprised that he lost the Adidas sponsorship. I think Nike's going to pick him up. Or Under Armour, some, Jordan. Someone will definitely pick him up. Because uh, he's still one of the best. Like when he comes back next year, sure he's gonna get booed on the road and all that. And but maybe not next year, but like a few years down the road, he's going to be still. I think one of the faces of the game. I don't think you can make him the face like they were trying to, but I think when you think of Major League Baseball, like those great young players, I think Tatis is still going to be one of those guys. So that's my thought. I was just surprised that Adidas uh, pulled the sponsorship, to be honest. Um, Dairy Queen, I don't think, has done it yet. I don't think Gatorade's done it. I think Adidas was the first big, like, major company to do that. So we'll see. Um, I did want to talk about the Seidler stuff. So Bob Nightingale, I guess he spoke on the phone, had an interview or something with Peter Seidler, and we had not heard from Peter Seidler yet. Uh, or since he talked with Fernando Tatis Jr. after he got suspended, had the face-to-face -face meeting. And I saw this in USA Today today. Uh, and here's Peter Seidler. This is just some of the quotes because it was locked, so I only saw some of it. Um, but it says, Seidler, this was him on Tatis' suspension, quote, the wrong way to look at it is to be angry at a 23-year-old young man I know he's a good guy with a good heart, and he cares. Getting to see him face-to-face, -face, seeing his body language, I was impressed. He owned up to it. He was very genuine. So, looks like Seidler's definitely on the track of forgiving him, if he hasn't forgiven him already, which is, that's the track I'm on. I don't think Seidler's going to forget this. I, I think he probably told Tatis, hey, um, you're going to wear this for this year. You're probably going to wear it, you know, in opposing ballparks for maybe the rest of your career, who knows? Same thing with like Altuve and stuff. Uh, but I'm, I have faith that you can bounce back from this. If you take the right steps, if you trust in the Padres organization and you work with us, um, then I think you'll be back to being in the good graces of fans and all that. And Seidler saying that he was impressed by Tatis's body language and he owned up to it and he was very genuine. That's very positive, that it wasn't Tatis just acting like he was genuine to the media. It was him actually being genuine to Peter Scyther, the guy that he let down, one of the very many people he let down. Um, so it's not like he was just faking it to, for the media, you know, saying, I'm very sorry, I let down people. And then, you know, to Peter Scyther, he was like, I'm sorry. And he said, he just said sorry to be sorry, or he was sorry that he got caught. You know, to me, it feels like he's actually sorry that this happened and it was a dumb mistake. He was being an idiot. And I feel like he's actually sorry and he was actually remorseful. So there were some short comments from Seidler about it. Um, I'm glad that he's not mad at Tatis. Um, I'm sure he's disappointed in him. I wasn't surprised that this is the angle that Seidler, what is he going to? tell Bob Nightingale, even if he is mad at Tatis, he's not going to say publicly, I'm pissed off at Tatis. You know? Um, but Seidler, in general, 
he does feel like a very optimistic, a very forgiving person. Um, obviously, we've kind of seen that with Preller and giving him that very long leash and forgiving of those moves. And he does realize the benefits that Preller gives to the Padres organization. And I think he's going to. I think he has realized that Tatis is going to help this team win if they keep if they keep Tatis on this team, which I believe they will. He realized that Tatis is going to help this team moving forward for the next decade plus. And yeah, he made a mistake. He messed up. He decreased the Padres' chances of winning this year. But he can help this team win next year and the year after that 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 and however many however many more years are after that on his contract. You know, um, and so I think he holds the same viewpoint that hopefully a lot of fans hold that, yeah, we're disappointed, uh, but, you know, we're not like, at least I'm not like, I'm not pissed off as much as I was like first when I heard the news. Uh, I'm just disappointed in him. I just like Seidler feel like his apology was very genuine and he's, he was actually sorry. So that was Seidler's comments. Uh, I think it was positive from what he said. And it feels like they are starting to repair this relationship. And we, there were hints that, you know, the Padres, Tatis, were starting to repair the relationship when Tatis announced during that scrum in the dugout last week that he's going to have the shoulder surgery, right? That was a big first step. Um, hey, I didn't want to do this, but I'm going to do this now. You know, because I want to come help this team and be or increase my chances of staying on the field and stabilizing the shoulder so when I come back, I can stay on the field, you know. Um, so that's good. I think both sides are repairing. Both sides are working to repair that relationship is what I meant to say. Um, all right, I think that's going to do it. For episode 223 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show, I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Covered a lot of stuff. Can't trust Hater right now. Manaya, don't know. Um, this episode, by the way, was brought to you by Gaglion Bros. Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries. Gaglionbros.com is their website. I recommend that you check them out. Great garlic fries, great cheesesteaks. Located on Friars Road and inside Petco Park. Uh, they have the cheesesteak fries as well. I love having those. I appreciate everyone for tuning in. Go Padres. Keep the faith. Hopefully we don't see Hater in a game anytime soon and he can find it. Um, and take the positive from this, right? The Padres did take two out of three against the Royals here. The offense did show up, and hopefully they can take that into San Francisco and win that series. And then we'll see what happens during the Dodgers series. All right, that'll do it. Enjoy your Sunday night, everyone. And I'll talk to you guys later. Go Pods.